Aloha Kako. How are you on this breezy Aloha Friday in Hawaii? I'm Noetani Gawa. Thank you so much for our time together. In the course of this year, we have followed homeless stories and developments all through this COVID pandemic, and we've learned a lot. The Institute for Human Services, for example, IHS, is Oahu's largest homeless service provider. They handle town and most of Oahu except the North Shore and Waianae side. Last year, IHS found housing for 3,266 people. More than 2,000 people spent time at their various shelters. And this year, they opened four medical respite houses. They also run Kahawiki Village with 120 households. There's almost 400 people out there. It's going well, by the way. IHS offers a full range of services, care on the street, emergency shelter, stabilization, housing and employment placement. And Executive Director Connie Mitchell says, as our understanding of homelessness grows, more targeted solutions follow. Still, ultimately, she says, we need more housing. When it comes to building more places, I think the problem is that a lot of people around wherever they're building will always complain, right? Almost every development of new housing is challenged. The one in Kailua was challenged. The one on River Street, you know, was challenged. That one was for senior housing. The other one was for people who are working. How are we going to house everyone if we do not take the actions that will allow us to make that happen? We're already losing a lot of our young people to the continent. And I think, but for the fact that there's COVID big time on the mainland right now, you know, more people would probably be going there. But I do think that, you know, we're going to lose more people if we don't do this. How do you see some of this getting done through the city, through the state? How? <laughs> My philosophy is all hands on deck. The state needs to do its part through their housing development corporation, the um, HHFDC. We need to definitely set aside a certain amount of money to build more affordable housing. The city has done a credible job of acquisition, you know, acquiring these older buildings maybe, and then redoing them so that, you know, they can put the, um, the units back into the rental market. And in this last round of um, the CARES funding, the state's rent relief program, just in the last couple of months, will have helped over 700 households just to us. That's just one agency. And we have many agencies that are doing this right now. So I'm just saying there is a need for housing. There is a need for people to stay in housing because we don't want them to become homeless. So I just want to translate that to people because many of these households are many people. So rapid rehousing, we helped about 651 people in those um, households. Homeless prevention, over a thousand. That's not including the CARES funding, right? On a regular basis, you know, that's how many people we're actually impacting. Connie, that was what was so crazy about that report, Unsheltered in Honolulu, because mm -hmm. it was, it put the numbers behind what you've been describing, which is this amazing number of people getting housed, but not really a change on the street. Right. Because when we do our point in time count every year, we didn't count the same people on the street. Like, you know, in say like in our East Honolulu area, which is, you know, where we do some of the outreach, I would say that only 20% of the people were people we counted last year. 
The rest of the people are new people, you know, but I know that that's not the same in every jurisdiction because when you go to places that are more rural, they're usually probably more of the people that are from that area. But, you know, the area that we cover includes Waikiki, which is very transient, right? So, you know, um, like 14 years ago when I first started at IHS, there usually were more people in shelters than there were outside on the street. That trend has reversed itself. I think a couple of years ago, we started to see more people on the street. But the good thing is that I think it's evening out again and it's going back in the other direction so that there's more people um, that are coming into the shelters. And I think they know that when they come into the shelters, they get help and they're able to you know, get to where they need to go quicker. Well, have you been able to document an increase on the streets? Sure. Number of people. Mm-hmm. I think we're getting a better idea of that. I think for our um, areas in East Honolulu and the Windward side, we really did not see that much of an increase the last point in time count. And actually this year, we're not doing one because of the COVID situation. It's just too uh, risky, I think, you know, to send people out when we don't know what their COVID status is, you know. What was your takeaway from the Homeless Awareness Conference we just had? It was huge, actually, you know. Yeah, it was great because we never had a virtual conference and it really allowed us to reach a lot more people. We never had more than maybe up to 400, but this one was attended by over a thousand people. We had national speakers, you know, really being able to share with people what the national trends were and whether we were lining up or not. What was your takeaway on that? Are we lining up with national trends? I think, you know, the things that were recommended were things that we are moving toward. What was recommended was a focus on chronic homelessness. The other one is, you know, building your housing inventory. And I think one of the things that's really healing is when people start working. And my hope is that we'll be able to connect work with housing. We want to make sure that people really know that when you start to work, it really makes a difference and you will be able to get housing a lot easier. Because I also feel like that's going to help our economy. Just developing housing is going to help our economy. We just got to all know that we're all in this together, like they say. you know. Connie Mitchell, executive director of IHS, says work can be healing. does street outreach. They don't wait for homeless to find them. Caseworkers find people living on sidewalks, under overpasses, along stream beds, or on the slopes of Diamond Head. Right now, they're very concerned about an encampment on the stream bed below the overpasses there at Kapiolani and Kapahulu. You know what I'm talking about. What have these service providers seen? What do they think should be done? Recently, I had a chance to ask, and I'd like you to meet Justin Phillips and Kalani Napiha'a. I'm a community outreach specialist. I do um, what is needed for those who are outside of our home. I'm working with IHS since uh, four and a half years already. It's been really good to me. People come to this kind of work from different avenues, like through law enforcement, through faith, through social service background. You know, how did you come to well, this work? I've been, I've been homeless two and a half years. And then also my faith connects with that. You know, so I think I, I bring that homeless connection with other people. You know, understand mm-hmm. the struggles out there also. So. Thank you, Colony. And Justin, 
I've been with this program for roughly 12 years here at IHS. I also, like Kalani, have experienced homelessness here on the island of Oahu. After getting a little bit of help for um, substance abuse, I ended up getting a job at IHS and been here ever since. It's been a blessing for me. I'm able to give back to my community and able to be a partner with many agencies across the island of Oahu and just to impact people's lives, hopefully for the best. How long were you homeless, Justin? Uh, three years. Three years. And how long ago was that? 12 years ago. So valued the particular perspective you two bring to this conversation. So um, how many outreach workers are there there at IHS? I have 13 workers on my team, including the exceptional work that Kalani does. We average as a whole roughly 275 individual consumers per month and an average of 600 encounters per month. An encounter is something where we go out in the community and we engage an individual. We offer them supportive services depending on what they need. So we're pretty robust. We cover basically the whole east side of Oahu. And, and Kalani, so how does this shake out in practice? What do you do? You drive <laughs> so, to somewhere? <laughs> you yeah, look well, for people? Um, I do look around for people. Um, what, what are the first things people, what are people saying to you on the street? The first thing would be housing. The next thing is getting um, help with um, general assistance, SSI, SSDI, employment, you know, those things but you can't get an employment without your documents. That's that one major thing that's always stuck up in their face. And that when they go to get a birth certificate, they need an ID. So when they go to get a duplicate, they need a certificate, social security card. But in order to get a social security card, you need an ID. In, in order to get a birth certificate, you need an ID. So that's the struggle. There are solutions for this. I mean, but I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that no sooner do they get their documents, then they're swept and they lose their documents. That's you know. true, that happens a lot. So the sweeps, you know, speaking about the sweeps, when they are doing the sweeps, they're very diligent about notifying people when they're coming. What I see happening is people don't take the warning and they just kind of wait around for people to come and then they're doing the compassionate disruption. All of a sudden they find themselves in a panic it ends up getting taken, but it's not that often. It's changed a lot from what it used to be in the very beginning to what it is now. These continued sweeps, even counter to CDC guidelines, are termed compassionate disruption. And there's been word that our new mayor does not plan to continue this uh, strategy. What do you think on that? We're just going to follow directions. Do you think it's been successful, compassionate disruption? I think that there has been a lot of successes. I think there's been some failures. The successful parts of it were? Locating medical um, emergencies, people in medical crisis. Sometimes these compassionate disruptions or sweeps provide us that opportunity to provide that Im immediate emergency care to the individual. And some of the downsides? Some people have lost their birth certificates and their IDs. Some of the downsides too, though, is that some of these encampments are based solely on substance abuse. You know, we've got a couple dealers in them that are dealing drugs. The encampment is built up around those individuals. And so it's really difficult for us to engage those kind of populations without some kind of different approach. How many of those kinds of encampments do you think there are? To be honest with you, many of the encampments that we are seeing now, that is solely what they're based on, is substance abuse. We go in there, we offer them shelter. They say, I don't want the rules. 
And when we get down to it and we start talking about rules and regulations, we're talking about a curfew of 10 o'clock. We're talking about being able to request to sleep out and go with your family. Looking at it, genuinely, we can see that it's not about rules and regulations. It's about not being able to smoke or do drugs on property. Do you see this, Kalani? Yeah, every day. You're opening my eyes. You've thought about this. What do we do? We continue. We continue. We do not give up. We continue to work very diligently to provide intensive case management and outreach services to all of these folks. And we just continue. You know, Kalani will probably tell you that he comes along, sees this guy for five, six years, and one day the guy says, hey, I'm ready for help. Please help me. And there's a genuine interest in services. So by continuing to keep coming back and continuing to, to work it, we end up working on these relationships and building them. And eventually the individual decides they want to join one of the programs and get into housing. Justin Phillips, Senior Outreach Program Manager with Kalani Napiha'a, Community Outreach Specialist at IHS. If you think you've got what it takes to do this kind of work, there are three openings right now on the IHS outreach staff. Coming up, everyone's favorite, Camp Erdman, has done a pivot during this pandemic. Support for HPR comes from Alexander and Baldwin, owners and managers of office, industrial, and retail properties across the state. A and B, building partnerships in Hawaii for 150 years with a commitment to provide for the needs of island communities. 2020 has been a year like no other. So let's end it on an upbeat note with the Kanikapila Sunday holiday special. You'll hear Hawaiian songs for this season from the Brothers Casimero. Amy Hanayali'i, Kuana Torres Kahele, Uncle Willie Kay, and some classics you haven't heard in a long while. I'm Derek Malama. The Kanikapila Sunday Holiday Special is this Sunday from 1 to 4 p.m. Support for the conversation comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Hawaii Naturopathic Retreat Center. The YMCA's Camp Erdman is located in Kaena Point State Park on the North Shore on wild, windswept Mokulea Beach. Most kids on Oahu spend a few nights there in fourth or fifth grade, but of course with uh, COVID, there's no camping now. When I talked with Andrew Keener, executive director at the camp recently, he was really excited about a new COVID collaboration. The Huliao program has put his team back to work and replaced his usual student campers with people who've been living on the beach or in cars. These people are Dee Nakamura's, I guess you would say, clients. Dee was homeless herself, but she started working with Alea Bridge, the main homeless service provider on the North Shore. This new Huliao collaboration with the Y was kicked off on city COVID funds. They had requested $46,000 and were granted $200,000. 
D, she moves really fast right now, <laughs> especially like on that morning that I met her at Erdman. She was directing traffic in the parking lot and had a family of four coming in. From when I started with the layup bridge, first thing I noticed is there's no shelters on here for our people on this side. Yeah, everybody's different. The homeless are all different. In town, they're totally different from this side. You know what I mean? So North Shore. North Shore. Or even Wahiwa. It's just a little bit more family. You, you know, they like the beach, you know, so they're not so much out in the open. So I always said, we've got to make a shelter down here because everything's in town and our people don't want to go to town. I wouldn't go to town. So they were using this for like summer camp kind of stuff. You gotta really think out of the box in this kind of industry when you're like trying to figure out how to help people and because the homeless are they're already looked on to as homeless. You know, it's kind of you gotta break through that and let them see that these are real people. Like a year ago I was homeless, but people talk to me today and don't realize, oh, they think like, oh D, oh D, but it's like I was them a year ago. You know what I mean? Exactly like them a year ago. So the YMC has been so amazing with us amazing it's been such a great partnership i couldn't have asked for anything more right now the grant is was only for nine weeks it's been so successful it's just like we can't stop now so rochelle actually is one of my good good friends so she came out today because we were talking about what was happening what's what's going on rochelle you've seen the problems out here oh yeah of course i've been there i've been there for a long time where do people camp around here and where are the facilities they can use there is no facility. There's only Wailua, Wailua gym has this facility at night. Yeah, that's why we have the bathroom brigades to open that one. But down here, there's no bathrooms. And this if you go through the bathroom at night, then the cops will give you tickets. So it's leaving them to use the bathroom where they're at. Right there on the ground. How many people do you think there might be in this stretch here from Wailua? Now that this opened, we got a lot of them off the street. So I don't know, maybe about... 10 and you got 30 off of this yeah so far 31. <laughs> well, we do a good job at getting them housed and what we're gonna kind keep of places can she possibly find to, to put people in now at this time she has partnerships she has. i've built partnerships with a lot of people so mm -hmm. I, I partnered with a gentleman named craig i let them know exactly what we're doing and they've been awesome we're top of the list they're like okay we got this unit we have this unit we have this unit so i'm on it every they morning units? yes available yes north shore wahiwa Actually, our biggest barrier was fixed income. So people that's on Social Security, so they get paid only six to seven hundred a month. They cannot afford full rent. That was our biggest barrier for a long time. So I'm the barrier breaker. So we built a partnership with like Asian Pacific, who's been awesome with us in Wahiwa. The realtors, Asian Pacific. And then I just started a partnership here in Wailua. There's an old folks home. I went to find the property manager there. She runs three in Wahiwa and the one down here. I ended up talking to her. She had goosebumps, hugs me. She actually was in the Bronx and grew up in shelters. Oh. So it just, we just had this amazing cool. connection. I told her, you won't have any of this back rent going on and stuff because we will make sure you guys are taken care of. We just need, I need something for these fixed things. She said, I got it. That is our biggest barrier we had to break. And so thank God to Jamari, we're yep. gonna be doing this. <laughs> Dee Nakamura, outreach worker with Alea Bridge, North Shore Homeless Service Provider. Well, 40 people have made it off the beach so far through her Huliao program there at Camp Erdman. And 14 people are in permanent housing for Christmas, including a family with four kids.
Have you been to Mokulei'a recently? It's a huge sandy beach with coral flats near the shore. Waves break closer to the horizon than wrap around Kaena Point. Gary was homeless three years on Mokulei'a Beach. Now he's moving to an apartment and job in Wahiawa. I learned so much from him. Gary, so what? You're moving out tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Where are you going? Um, Wahiawa. Are you familiar with Wahiawa? Yeah, I have a job over there. So how come, what's this run of good luck here? I don't know. <laughs> okay, wait now. So how long have you been out on the street? Three years. Just kind of on and off? Yeah, yeah. I had a place, but uh, we had to move out because the house was in foreclosure. Uh, yeah. Where did you go at first? I came down here. Here to Omukulei? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's where, that's where everybody else is staying, I guess. <laughs> in, in the bushes, like on the side of the road, or where? No, no, on the, on the beach. We have no place else to go. You haven't seen the beach at night. Can you describe what it's like? You get used to do, used to it. I mean, it's kind of hard at the beginning, but you get used to it, or you not can survive. <laughs> and you were near a, like the beach bathroom or something? Yeah, Mokulea mm. Beach Park. Mm. You would have a tent or something? No, I slept in my car. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up in Wahiawa? Yes. What's Wahiawa like when you were growing up? Uh, cool. I knew everybody in the neighborhood, so everything was nice. <laughs> Once we sold the house, it was like, that's when all this bad stuff started happening. Oh, your parents died? Yeah. That's what happens, huh? Yeah. I never like sell the house, but my brother didn't wanted the money, so. That is a really tough time in a family's life. Yeah. Did you lose touch with your brothers and sisters after? Yeah, I don't really talk to them now. They don't, they don't really bother, so I don't bother them. <laughs> when people lose their home, something happens. Did, did something happen for you that, that you know, you do a job, medical bill? No? No. Uh, I have the money still yet, so it wasn't the money. I just, I don't know. Now my sister regrets selling the house, and my other brother regrets selling the house, but I get one more brother. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was paid for too. <laughs> like my mom and dad's hard work for nothing. Seemed like, I don't know. But I'm the youngest, so I just go along with whatever they say. Yeah. <laughs> were you working while you were here, staying on the street? No, no. My mom didn't left me money. What did you do during the day? Mm, collect cans or... I worked for a little while, but... And then I had car problems and... And then I just stopped going to work because I never have a car. <laughs> I can imagine the pain. 
washing out on this beach. I was off all this time, but I, I gave him a call and he said, yeah, I can come back. He's trying to help me out. Do you want to go back? Yeah. Are you good at that? No, I mostly do the detailing and buffing and prepping. Are you good at that? I think so. <laughs> I, was, I don't think he'll let me come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you gotta have somebody to trust when you're doing the detailing now. You don't want somebody that steals from a company or a car. <laughs> he said I can come back, so it's alright, I guess. How are you gonna get there? Yeah, I'm moving to Waihawa tomorrow. So I can walk to work. <laughs> you ready for that? Yeah, waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow is the start. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to Kilani Fender, maybe you'll see Gary. Meanwhile, he made it into his new place and is looking forward to the new year. has been somewhat transformative for Lihue Town. If you haven't been to see it, <laughs> you might be in for a surprise. Near Manifest, Kauai's version of Powwow debuted in October, among other things. And, you know, we have to check up on this, so I thought it'd be fun to check in with artist, executive director of the Garden Island Arts Council, Carol Yotsuda. She had some health problems last year, but bounced back strong, and I caught her preparing for her annual studio sale. Turns out the sale is tomorrow. I've been busting my butt trying to get all my stuff out in a displayable fashion. So, you know, it's a lot of legwork and all that. And Shannon, bless her heart, she's been coming once a week as a volunteer to help me because there's a lot of heavy work around here. I just can't do it. And she's very artistic and all that, and very quiet, <laughs> so stable, so it's so wonderful, and because she's coming, it makes me do my work, you know, otherwise I could put yeah. it off till next time. I know but we what always, you mean. Yeah, we always reserve a certain block of time so that we have some creative things to do, like paper making, ceramics, uh, mobile making, you know, all kinds of fun things. Carol? Tell me about what's happening in Lihue and what's coming up there for 2021. They just finished this about month long. It's called Nirmana or something like that, where they were painting, I think, five buildings. There's a beautiful, beautiful mural of an octopus. Looks Japanese style. It's on the building next to Kibo, which unfortunately just closed. The guy was oh. selling up all his things oh, anyway. Yeah. Changes. It's so sad, yeah. But the big, big mural is the whole face of the old big safe store. That entire face is painted all the way down to DMV. Is it exciting for Lihue? Well, you know, there aren't people out, though. That's the thing. 
you go to these places and it's empty. Maybe the busiest place might be Lihue Post Office. It's really surreal. Carol, what about the Crest Building? What is the plan for the place? We had a Zoom meeting and the first thing that's going to open would be the ceramic center at the back. And there's supposed to be a gallery right adjoining that. The front half is going to try out as a nonprofit to see if the nonprofits can run programs there. I know there's going to be a bar and the sidewalk is going to have sitting outside tables like they have at the beer garden. What is it called? I think he wanted to call it the Art Hub. Who are you talking about again? Mark is the owner, Mark Abay, Hong Kong. What's his dream, Carol? His dream is to have a place where the community can come and work and do things. You know, he wants music programs on the street outside. He just wants to have like a lot of activity where people know that if they come there, there's always going to be something to do. And he wants it to stimulate the whole of Rice Street. Exciting, Carol. I know, because now, you know, it's more like a coalition of groups. I was feeling like lonely <laughs> when we started yeah. out. But now there are other people there that are latching on to the dream and willing to do the work and stuff like that. So that programming in the front part is going to be so much fun, right? Right up your it alley. It will friends. be fun. Yeah. And I've already talked to a number of people to tell them that, oh, that's going to be available. Can you do a fashion show when we open? The walls will be open for display. Can you plan on something for display? You know, a lot of possibilities. It's a central location. It's a perfect location. My gosh, I wish I were 20 years younger, you know. So <laughs> exciting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But you know, I have these flashbacks often because I'm going through my junk and trying to throw away my junk. And everything reminds me of all these things that we did. We just did it. We didn't ask permission. We didn't get told to do something. We just did it. And we did a damn good job of everything. Like Nobody what kind of stuff? Fairs, you know, these, there's a big tree still uptown across from the old Toyota. And we would have these crafts there and there would be artists weaving from the tree. And we <laughs> would have sales where we would be hanging yards and yards of batik that we created from the trees in Koloa. And people would come and buy you know, all these kinds of things were so exciting and it was a little bit hippie-ish, but at that time we were all a little bit hippie-ish. So, you know, we love things like macrame and tie-dye and batik and yeah. planters and candles, and candles and stuff like that. It was so exciting for us. And gradually these things kind of build up as your history. And people remember that it was exciting. So if they're doing something, count me in. I'm not going to miss out. And that kind of air about things, that kind of reputation, it carries weight. It carries weight. People don't forget. They remember and they want to be involved. And now, I guess, because people are forced to stay home and forced to be in small numbers, they are hungry to be with other people. I have continuous, continuous activity here. There's always cars parked in my yard 
all doing different things. Right. I know people coming to do clay, people are doing this, woodworkers, quick fire people, they're just different people doing all kinds of stuff. You mean people what are, who normally are doing other things? Well, they have anything. their jobs. One guy is, uh, I think he's like a rodent control. You know, they have their day jobs. I don't know what they do. But when they come to my place, maybe they want to do ceramics. Do you run classes at your place? No, I just let people use my space. So what, what's going to be in the sale then? Oh, I have a lot of ceramics and I have my cactus planters. They're little pit fire planters with all kinds of cactus plants in. <laughs> I have some of my stitchery, not the really art kind of stuff, but just little things, mobiles, just a lot of different things. <laughs> Kawaii artist Carol Yotsuda. Her studio sale is tomorrow. And yet Carol mentioned near Manifest. Next year, we'll talk with Seth Wombley, international mural artist who got teams of Kauai artists to launch near Manifest. It's an all-local street art festival. And it's part of a youth empowerment effort Kauai started two years ago. That's when 2018 surveys found 9% of Kauai high school students had attempted suicide. This struggle for our mental health is what we face together in 2021. Speaking of mental health, when I was out at Camp Erdman, I heard about someone who was good at motivating the new clients. Kai Markell is a Native Hawaiian rights attorney, educator, and cultural practitioner. His expertise is in the field of Hawaiian remains and burials. I asked Kai how he would describe the new Huliao Homeless Project. It's a place of optimism and hope. So I would go around six o'clock because that's when they usually would gather for dinner. I mean, I was walking into my past. I don't think I'd been there since fourth or fifth grade. You know, most people have gone to Camperd. And it looked a lot smaller and a lot different than how I remember. But the Camp yeah. Erdman people were happy to have life there and laughter and people and spirit. And the bottom line is to connect with these people is I know what suffering is. I know what hopelessness is. And to really instill the idea um, in Hawaiian thinking that your ancestors are always around you, um, your spirit guides, your guardian angels, whatever your beliefs, and you have every ability to change your destiny, not tomorrow morning, but tonight. How would I make that change tonight? Now, how is that change made, Kai? What are you talking about? One of the first things I realized in life is it's almost impossible to change another person. You can talk to them, you can put them in programs, you can give them guidance and everything. But there's habits, we're creatures of habit. We have fears and insecurities and shortcomings. And we, we, we roll back into things we're comfortable doing instead of uncomfortable areas of growth and change. And I realize that because look how hard it is to change yourself. You know, somebody wants to kick a habit of, of drinking or cigarettes or diet or health issues. People have diabetes. I got diabetes, oh, but mm -hmm. I struggle all the time with my eating. I know I'm not supposed to eat that, but I'm an emotional eater. So first is to realize we're not here to change anybody. You're not here to change somebody and say, okay, you got to do this, this, and this, because it's not going to work. We're just here to give people support and positive energy and hope. And our words we choose are powerful and they have an effect. I like Hawaiian culture as a basis because in Hawaiian culture, 
we realize that our inspiration and our strength, a lot of it comes from the ancestors. It comes from Mama Kua. It comes from recognizing what we call Ho'ailona, you know, that the butterfly flapping around you all day um, or the birds singing super loud in the tree above you when you wake it up really might be an ancestor, a kupuna, a guardian, a spirit guide, Ho'ailona. Encouragement might be coming our way that we don't realize. Exactly. You know, we're so disconnected from the spiritual world. There is a saying, which is not all knowledge comes from the same school. But I was taught from my kupuna that half our world was physical, the kino, the body, the physical tree, the rock, the stream, and half our world was a spirit. So your wailua, your spirit in you, and it comes out, it's the uhane. The spirit in trees, in um, pohaku, in rocks, in the streams, in the winds, because there's life and spirit in the winds. There's ancestors that help control the elements. There's elemental deities. We've forgotten the signs of the presence of the divine in our life, of spirit. Most people see rainbow and they say, okay, rainbow. Okay, awesome, positive. Okay, of course, promise. Oh, the elite are near. How many times have I gone up to Mana Allah with special groups and special prayers and tears and almost without fail, the gentle rain comes and it sprinkles everybody. And when you finish your chant at Kamehameha's tomb, mm-hmm. the wind comes, right? Mm-hmm. So these are signs that Hawaiians kind of learn is, is a sign from the ancestors. It's a sign of encouragement. We're trying to get the rest of the people in Hawaii to understand these are important spiritual signs for you. I find encouragement even Sometimes I'll stop by somebody and people will say, oh, that person's crazy. They're talking to themselves. They're all filthy. They're sitting next to the fence and everybody walks a right arc around them. I swear, sometimes my ancestors give me messages through them. Like they will talk about something and all of a sudden they'll quote the Bible or they'll quote something that's profound and I light up with goosebumps. And I'm like, wow, that was a gem of wisdom. And I think about it and it, and it ends up meaning so much to my life. So Ho'ailona can come in many forms, natural forms, natural phenomena. What is it? What is a Ho'ailona? It's, Ho'ailona is a sign. It's an omen. It's a portent. So in the evenings when I'm maybe I'm finishing my glass of wine and talking to my husband and I hear the gecko. That is, uh, I'm getting goosebumps right now. So my grandmother at her house when I was small in Makakila, I used to catch the geckos. The mo'o is one of my biggest Ho'ailona. And in my office where I work, I've been there 16 years and I never had a mo'o show up until the last year. And I would be on a special phone call with somebody and maybe tears would be coming and I would hear oh. the clicking and it was like, oh my God. <laughs> and then when I went to go talk to Camp Erdman, one of the nights, one of the groups, I was actually in the wrong place by myself and I'm kind of like wondering, where is everybody? And then I hear a mo'o, loud clicking. And I was like, all right, grandma, what are you trying to tell me? What should I be doing? I almost left. So I walked over by my car and one of the counselors found me says, oh, please come by the cabins. Everybody's by the cabins. So I went by the cabins and I swear to God, Noi, I'm over there talking to them in the dark, outside, the mountains behind me. I'm talking about Kamehameha and, 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 and the stories and about the, the stones and, and being a Pu'onua, a place of refuge for others and all these things to be a light for the world and stuff. And all of a sudden in the tree, the holly tree next to us, loud mo'o right there in the tree goes. <laughs> so I shared with them 
as crazy and stupid as I may sound, I share with them about my grandma and the mo'o and all the signs, right? Because I want them to believe. I want them to believe in magic and understand that, yeah? That's our culture. Mary Kavanapakui talks about this in Nanake Kumo. I mean, it's hardcore sociology, Hawaiian culture stuff. That's what ho'ailona are. We all need that because we can't do it alone. Life's hard and depressing as it is. But when you have encouragement, you have encouragement of the living who care about you and love you and forgive you. You have the encouragement of this natural world and the spiritual world, the divine. You're unstoppable. You can change whatever situation in your life. So, you know, we all need that. Kai Markell is a Native Hawaiian rights attorney, educator, and cultural practitioner. Support for HPR comes from Hoku's, wishing everyone warm and safe holidays, with seasonal menus by executive chef Jonathan Mizukami, bringing new direction from culinary experiences across the globe. KahalaResort.com. It's just not the holidays without the Nutcracker, and so Hawaii Public Radio presents a gift to the community. Ballet Hawaii's The Nutcracker with the Hawaii Symphony Orchestra set in the 1858 Kingdom of Hawaii, incorporating a blend of new and previously recorded productions from years past. Watch it December 19th at 7 p.m. on KITV Channel 4. Learn more on our website, hawaiipublicradio.org. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art, welcoming the community to reconnect with the art and museum spaces on Pauhana Friday evenings until 9 p.m. More at honolulumuseum.org. He's now Hoku Hanohanu Male Vocalist of the Year is out with a holiday album. Just yesterday, Josh Tatofi canceled his dream Christmas show and album launch scheduled for last night at Hawaiian Bryan's. He cited last-minute COVID complications and safety, too. However, here's Josh Tatofi from his new Christmas EP. Josh Tatofi is not the only one coming up with holiday tunes. At the Waianae Coast Comprehensive Health Center, the COMP, they've been keeping pretty busy, actually, with the food distributions. And now, because the Waianae Coast is one of the hardest-hit communities in Hawaii, their work <laughs> distributing the first shipment of the Pfizer vaccine is expanding. So there's a lot going on, but somehow they managed to have an employee contest for Best COVID Christmas Carol. 
we thought you'd enjoy a sampling. So from Waipahu BH, here's Tatiana Vega. Sanitize, sanitize, sanitize now. Sanitize good and sanitize right. No touching, no sharing, just to be safe. We can virtually celebrate. Rich Bettini got his ohana into it. It's 2021, we'll be looking at creatives as second responders and the role of culture in our mental health and social fabric. With the Creative Caucus taking shape at the legislature and Hawaii Contemporary's Art Summit in February, the year will start strong. As we've seen, our food and social service systems have shown amazing resilience through this heartbreak because of the individuals involved. Working together, that is what it's come down to. Before we leave today, a thing of beauty is happening on Monday. The last time Jupiter and Saturn appeared this close was July 23rd, 1623. Galileo was still alive, but it was so close to the sun you couldn't see this conjunction. So on Monday, find a clear view of the horizon, and about an hour after sunset, first Jupiter, then Saturn, will rise unblinking in the western sky. 
And there we'll be, looking at a literally star-studded example of the great cycles we're all a part of. Oh, and once again, as in olden days, happy golden days of yore, faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. Well, that's about it for this Aloha Friday. Thank you so much for our time together. You know that we love to hear from you. You can call our Topic line and leave your comments anytime. That's 808-792-8217. You can email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org or post your comments on Facebook or tweet us at HI Conversation. You know, thank you so much for all the contributions that came into our fundraiser this year. Visit the conversation page on the HPR website if you want to listen back to the shows. This program is lovingly produced by Lillian Zong, Harrison Patino, and Jason Ubai. Our theme music here, courtesy of Gypsy 808. I'm Noe Tanigawa. Happy Aloha Friday. Let's take care of each other, shall we? See you next year. Mm-hmm.